Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. Today's film is... Pump up the volume. Hello, Eric. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I see you're outside. That's super cool. Yeah, apparently you're in the middle of a deluge out there. (laughs) Yes. um, Suck it, New Jersey. (laughs) Well, you know, it's just more more time to stay in and watch movies, so that's cool. Have you seen anything recently you'd like to talk about, or should yeah. I jump in? I saw the new uh, Haunting in Venice, Kenneth Branagh. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Jewel Poirot movie. Yeah. And man, it's amazing how you can have two characters that are basically carbon copies of each other and be mm-hmm. satisfied by one and not the other. Mm-hmm. I feel like Benoit Blanc is basically Hercule Poirot. It's the same shtick, just like yeah. This- super observant guy but i don't know you know my feelings on ryan johnson uh, especially mm-hmm. star wars related but <laughs> that may have soured your feelings yeah way overrated but i really enjoyed uh both of knives out and glass mm-hmm. onion uh, i'll see any of those british band mystery movies i guess right but he's the same character. It just feels earned when they go through the movie as he's revealing this whole intricate plot that happened. Right. It right. feels earned. A haunting in Venice doesn't. He just says stuff and you're like, there was no there's no callback to any scene where he could possibly have witnessed these things. He just mm-hmm. divines them out of the ether. Um, I don't know. It's just both of the movies that I've seen are just so unsatisfying because you're just like, OK, I guess he's psychic. Right, right. Well, I saw the first two of the Kenneth Branagh, Hercule Perot. I didn't see the new one yet. And I was not a fan of either of them. I I agree with you. The character um, as written in those movies is definitely not as cool as Benoit Blanc, at least uh, when it comes to earning the mysteries. Uh, I did, have you ever seen the original Murder on the Orient Express? No. It's probably Sydney black Lumet. and white and or subtitled. <laughs> no, it's it's Sydney Lumet. It's from like the seventies. It's got Sean Connery in it. It's 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 a it's a good movie. Um I think the character Hercule Perot is played a lot better in that one than mm. Kenneth Branagh. I don't know. He kind of annoys me in these movies. They just seem so self important. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Self important. And that that mustache of his. <laughs> You wouldn't accept the free ride? Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, so for, for we were talking about Ryan Johnson. I agree that he could be like super writerly and pretentious sometimes, although I'm a much bigger fan than of his movies, his earlier movies than you are. But I think he's found like his niche with the Benoit Blanc movies. Like that's his style of writing is like perfect for that. Yeah, they're so slick and cool, and I really enjoy those, and I hate saying it because Ryan Johnson. <laughs> right, right. But, well, you know, people could do bad and good things. Look at you. Yeah, look at me. I'm a perfect <laughs> example. <laughs> All right, well, I'm gonna, let, me, uh, let me talk about a movie that um, I think you'll appreciate the, uh, 
the callback to one of my favorite fight scenes in Eastern Promises. Do you remember that? Naked the shower v- scene. Yeah, naked fight with Vigo Mortensen. So I saw No Hard Feelings with uh, Jennifer Lawrence, the R-rated kind of uh, adult comedy, a throwback to the adult comedies. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't. It's funny. I have to admit, it is funny. And there is a naked fight scene in it. So it reminded me of that. Sounds like it should be all hard feelings. Like you watch Vigo <laughs> So the movie itself is just about this uh, old Roman, 30s, who accepts this job to date um, this young nerdy guy who has not, is not prepared for the real world. And it's a dumb premise for some really dumb but smart, funny comedy. But my problem is it didn't lean enough into the comedy. It kind of, the last act, really tried to push it to like schmaltzy drama stuff where they were dealing with the relationships of these characters and like, you know, the real life problems. And that just didn't work. The characters didn't work, but the comedy did. So it's like a weird combination. So I would recommend it for some very funny scenes in it. But overall... It's 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 not like it was like forty year old virgin, which did both those things really well, right? Know? Yeah, cool. So it was a, it was, a, it was a solid movie, but that's about it. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, just last night I watched uh, Cabin in the Woods. Okay. The uh, Drew Goddard film. Yeah, yeah. Goddard. Drew Goddard. That doesn't yeah. sound right. <laughs> I think that's right. That's right. <laughs> um. I still really love it. It's mm-hmm. almost like Scream in the way that it takes the horror genre and throws all the tropes together, mm-hmm. but also puts its own spin. It's not like a just a straight spoof or satire. It's like right. its own little movie. And I just love that little world they created where, you know, the ancient gods are still a thing and we're sacrificing people using all these horror tropes uh, mm-hmm. to satisfy their desires for blood. Yeah, it's definitely such a great like insider horror movie. A horror movie for like insiders who love that stuff. It's, mm. It did a really great job um, playing with those tropes. I was curious how it holds up because how it holds up because I haven't seen it in probably you know ten years maybe it's been a while. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's <clears throat> it's using such classic horror tropes. Yeah, in a new way that it's. I would not say it's like a timeless classic or anything, but I didn't notice anything other than maybe some of like the clothing styles of the main characters, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember when it came out, it was like, man, this is like, um, this is going to become my Halloween classic. It just had that feeling. It was so fresh and so new and so much fun. And I was like in love with it. And everyone I talked to also liked it that much. So I think we saw it together in the theater. Yeah, we probably did back in the days, the good old days. Well, cool. Kicking off spooky season. Yeah. Decent start. I I sort of uh, kicked off spooky season, too, with a movie called Sting of Death, 1966. So probably a little before uh, the... Too old for you to watch. Too old for (laughs) Uh, It's about this uh, group of students who go to the Everglades for like a to visit one of their uh, one of their fathers who is a scientist studying jellyfish and the jellyfish are have mutated into like some giant human jellyfish and are killing people 
and it is a low budget movie but very enjoyable it's kind of like a mix of the old beach party movies with teens doing these kooky dances uh and then horrible special effects of um like plastic bags floating on the florida everglades water that to simulate jellyfish and then a bunch of like you know the 60s bathing suited clad uh teens 30 year old teens yeah. <laughs> jumping in the water and thrashing around with these jellyfish and getting killed. So I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun for that type of B movie. So if you're ever in the mood for like a kooky classic like that, I would recommend it sting of death. And it's a cool got a sweet title. I bet there's like a pretty awesome poster somewhere. Yes, there is a really cool poster actually of a, you know, a cool looking jellyfish and some teens. So yeah. So Eric, is, is there time for... too much noise out here for this? No, you're fine. Okay. Yeah, I'll just cut that out. So Eric, are you ready for our main topic? I'm ready to pump up the volume on this yes. podcast. This was off of your watch list, and interestingly, it was also on my watch list. So it's a twofer. Well, I'm glad we both got to see this. All right. <laughs> when self-important walking Jack Nicholson impression and worst kept mystery DJ Hart Hard Harry takes over Hubert H. Humphrey High via the airwaves, alliteration isn't the only thing in the air. When a fellow student commits suicide after calling into his show, Hard Harry must make a choice. Will he be the disaffected voice of his generation or just keep jerking himself off on air and whining about his parents? Oh, Wow. I sense I sense that you didn't like this as much as I did. Four and a half stars, Pat! Four and a half stars! <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was unexpected. <laughs> there was a mystery guest who was mad that I gave this movie four and a half stars because I really loved it. <laughs> yes. So I saw your review on letterbox and i i told my wife i was like gina pat gave it four and a half stars do you want to watch it with me i'm like pretty excited to watch it now mm-hmm. and um i would say i'm kinder than she was although i was in the same boat for like the first hour of this movie i was just like this sucks what is pat talking about and really? then it got to me yeah okay i just it took way too long to give me something to root for or care about. Mm-hmm. His character is basically like channeling a really good impression of Jack Nicholson, who has watched like way too much Dennis Leary and Dennis Miller. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it was like teenage lit mag, self important, like this guy thinks he's smarter than he is, kind of like high school student and maybe i'm just too old for that or something (laughs) like i could see how this was like to to people who were teenagers during this time like nobody listens to or understands me Mm -hmm. you know it could have been like a hit with the teens of the time which would have been like my brothers or kind of maybe us on the cusp of that of that age when this came out uh it just didn't do it for me until like you know, you find out, oh, there are actually problems in this school. And it makes sense that all these kids are listening to this guy who's like speaking for them, mm-hmm. you know? So I I think I was on board earlier because I, 
I didn't think of him as self-important. I thought of him as, as, as more of just a, uh, just like just acting out because, you know, when you're a teen, especially one who uh, is as socially awkward as he is in real life, you know, there's no outlet and that was his outlet. And I don't think he was doing it to be thinking he was better or, or smarter than anybody or just trying to be smart. I think he was just acting out. That's how I read that. And yeah, it does take some, time for that to become relevant to the story i guess yeah this was like like if you watch the movie spotlight Mm -hmm. but replace the first (laughs) hour with just like mark ruffalo writing columns about how much he hates going to church and like why is my wife so mad at me when i leave the toilet seat up right and then you find out oh wait actually he's writing about abuse in the catholic church Mm-hmm. Oh, there is something to care about here other than like the musings of a mm-hmm. whiny teenager. But I I actually didn't like that there was a real villain to the movie. Like there was real corruption at the school. That was the one thing that I wasn't uh keen on because I thought that the the I like the idea that the this movie was like screaming out against like the whole system. You know, it really got to me as like this unnamed teen rebellion thing where you're not sure what you're angry about, but you're angry about, you know, the world. Uh, There's definitely a lot of things he touches on that are still problems in the world. And it was oddly prescient. And I think somebody should take this concept and do it now with technology where maybe you can't or shouldn't be able to figure out who this kid is in like two (laughs) minutes. (laughs) Right, right. Well, they, you know, the, I, that part felt natural to me. I don't know anything about, you know, FM radio stations and things well, like that. I'm talking about the kids in the school had no idea who he was. Like they say right. this in the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, who's the new kid in your school from the East coast? <laughs> well, they did Gee, say, that I wonder <laughs> who this DJ could be. Who was literally saying I'm new in town. I don't have friends. I'm from the East coast. Right. Right. That school was half the size of the one we went to. And it said it had 1,200 like, students. That was a yeah. pretty big school. We had 2,400 in our school. And, like, you knew who the new kid was who moved there senior year, even if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just okay. thought it was, like, really that. funny. And then they go into this whole thing about how they kick out all the dumb kids. Is like the mass corruption in the school. The principal's right. just like... And I'm like, so wait, these were the smart kids? And they didn't think to just, like... <laughs> Hey, that's a local post office box. Why don't we just wait by the post office, which is apparently across the street from the high school? So, so the you're thinking about this logically, and I'm thinking about <laughs> more about it like spiritually, like this like punk rock attitude. This like take it to the 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 airwaves and 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 almost like what the Joker did in the Joker movie, um, where like this characters like a symbol for like this this boiling uh energy uh, like in the zeitgeist that's about to explode and the joker is like the symbol for that and like i felt that in this movie like there's this <laughs> problems that what are you laughing at <laughs> there's there's this problem the joker is an actual good movie that like no i do not think those the... characters in this way 
I don't know about that. See, I was not a fan of. I liked the Joker. It was all right. I thought it was all right. I think I gave it like three stars. This really spoke to me more. <laughs> Maybe because I felt like I could relate to being a teen in that school and uh, needing something to just like break it all down in a way. Sure. <laughs> it was that punk rock attitude that really worked for me. And I loved how, like, the character, yes, he was doing a Jack Nicholson impression, obviously. <laughs> like, that was very obvious from the beginning. But, and what he talked about was all over the place. I thought the messaging was convoluted sometimes as to what he was, um, what the movie was portraying uh, about his character, like, what his character thought was right and wrong i thought that was a little convoluted but the energy was there and the going up against like the established system of the school is just like such a cool thing for me it's like star wars going up against the empire you know oh my god yes i don't know maybe part of it is also that i worked at a school and like okay. you know teens have you're a job you're the man that's me. why <laughs> i am the man <laughs> Could you say that again? It's so rare that you say I'm the man. You're a part of a corrupt system. I will rephrase it. For nine years, yeah. <laughs> teens have a job, and their job is to piss off adults. Yes. And hopefully become one on the way at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. But like when you look at the vice principal, who is supposed to be the worst, because this movie is told from the point of view of teenagers, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that actor. That guy is great. I can't remember his name. Um, but anyway... Like, of course, kids are dancing and listening to a guy jerk off in the middle of your school courtyard. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to shut that down. Right. So until, I don't know, it just, the whole thing came off as whiny. Like, you're like, punk rock. And I'm like, he was a little whiny bitch. Yeah, I know. I think My we're coming out so of so hard. Different... I have a high-tech radio <laughs> setup and I'm rich, but I had to move. Which, yeah, that <laughs> sucks. But it was like, ugh. I... Okay, I, I've had, now that you say it like that, I've had that same argument against other movies on this podcast as well. I think we talked about the, um, I can't remember the name of it, the one movie with the uh, the girl who whose dead friend came back as an alien. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I had that I'm, same. I'm, I'm totally not okay or something yes, like that. Something yeah, I'm like totally that. fine. I'm totally fine. And I had that same argument against that movie. I'm like, yeah, it sucks that your friend died, but like. You know, it, it was like too much. I don't know why this movie worked for me. Like, yeah, I, maybe it's because all teenagers have that feeling. Uh, yeah. Maybe you didn't because you were like one of the cool guys. But I, I was not. But. <laughs> you were you were cool, higher on the cool spectrum than average, I would say. Maybe I slightly don't, don't above average. That is not my perception of high school. But uh, see, that's the hey. thing. So. <laughs> well, I felt like I was, you know, pretty low, not like the bottom, but I wasn't a little below average, I would say. And yeah, you're, thanks for not disagreeing with me. That. I mean, that's where I think all of us were. We were at the same level. Okay. Um, anyway, I, I, it just, people, teens, all teens have something to be angry about or confused about. It's just a confusing time. And, and um, the world is such a horrible place in general. 
and yeah, that school and then the him in the suburbs, it's not as horrible as like most people in the world, but like, I still felt that there was something um, unnameable that he was angry about. And I understood that. Yeah, that makes sense to each his own. Yeah. And the music was great. I loved it. Great soundtrack. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Well, Alan Moyle was like, uh, did a good job directing. It was just a lot of interesting camera shots too. I thought, and Christian Slater, even though he was doing Jack Nicholson, was still engaging to watch. So overall, yeah, I'm still sticking with my four and a half stars. Good. I'll, I'll keep it at three, but it had to work to get there. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so, Eric, would you like to talk about your movie or shall I go? I don't know how you feel about your second one. Uh, I. It depends. I mean, I'm fine going. Yeah, go for it. So I feel like Pump Up the Volume was kind of like an edgy John Hughes movie. Yes. And I felt like watching something not that. So I watched another uh, Christian Slater movie. Mm -hmm. But I watched Heathers from 1988, directed by Michael Lehman and written by Daniel Waters. This was one of my guesses of what you would have watched. What? This is one of my guesses of what you would have watched. Heathers. Well, you nailed it. Yep. If Pump of the Volume was an edgy John Hughes, I thought this was like the movie that said, fuck off, John Hughes. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> it is like the anti-John Hughes, but still like felt like a quintessential 80s movies. Mm-hmm. It's like meet Mean Girls meets American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. Cool. I thought it was really, really good. There's these three Heathers and Veronica who are the popular girls in the school. Um, and they have one of those complicated, you know, the stereotypical catty girl relationship. You know, none of them really like each other, but they're the four most popular girls in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go around doing this dumb lunchtime questionnaire, ruining people's lives with pranks. And then they kind of sort of accidentally kill one of each other (laughs) and it it leads to multiple murders happening in this school this movie would never i think be made today with the there's like a school shooting a fake school shooting by christian slater it's like basically how we're introduced to the character is these guys try to bully him and he whips out a gun but it had blanks in it but you know you think for a second holy crap that guy just shot people right (laughs) um and yeah, it just escalates from there with murders and, you know, an attempt to blow up the school by Christian Slater, who is just a psychopath. And it's great. Yeah, that's definitely a movie. It'll be tough to make today. I loved it when I saw it. It's been a long time. I actually have the Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it yet. So I should go back and watch it. I was thinking about that after, after uh, pump up the volume. I'm like, if I didn't see Heather's, that would be a good pick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, there was this tonally it was very weird mm-hmm. it had that john hughesy definitely like a satirical john hughesy feel but then there were also like airplane-esque lines mm-hmm. of dialogue throughout the movie they okay. were just like what are they doing here i love it but i don't know it's like such a unique voice mm-hmm 
like there's this line where the the girl has like this uh veronica played by um oh my god i just blanked on her name winona ryder winona ryder has with her dad this quirky relationship where they're kind of like rapid fire you know dialogue and she says something to him uh you know we're treated like lab rats and um Oh, I should have written this down. You know, pandered to like bunnies. And he goes, I never pandered to bunnies. Like there's just these weird, <laughs> surely don't call me serious kind of uh, okay. lines of dialogue in, in this movie. And yeah, I just loved the deadpan outright rejection of John Hughes. That's not how high school is. Stop it. Kind of attitude. Um, this right, had a right. punk rock attitude to me. Okay. Good. So Heather's better than pump up the volume. Solid four. Solid four. How is Christian Slater? Was he uh, different? The same thing. Apparently Christian (laughs) Slater was just Jack Nicholson as a team. (laughs) Well, he did. He's did a good job at it. So (laughs) why did he just like disappear in the nineties? I don't know. I don't know much about his uh, history, but I do know that I, um, Every movie I've seen him in, I think I've enjoyed. Uh, Interview with the Vampire, Nymphomaniac. <laughs> and well, I just watched Very Bad Things for a previous episode not too long ago. Oh, yeah, he was in that. And uh, he was basically, I feel like, Christian Slater's character in this movie grows up to be that character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's the same guy. Only, you know, I, I assume he's... He blew himself up at the end of this one. Spoiler alert for like a 25 year old movie. Right. But um, yeah. Uh, he's also in Mind Hunters. If you're in for like a, a fun, dumb horror movie for this this month, Mind Hunters is a good one. With Christian Slater, directed by Rennie Harlan. Check that one out. Maybe I will. All right. So I will talk about my movie. Times Square, 1980, directed by the director of Pump Up the Volume, Alan Moyle. I picked this one because I liked Moyle's style. He had this punk rock attitude, as I said, and his first movie, or his second movie technically, is Times Square, which is looked even more punk rock from the description. It's about this, uh, this runaway young girl, definitely like a punk in the... Uh, late 70s, early 80s. It was made in 1980. So I guess the late 70s of New York City. All this is filmed in New York City at the time. And it was a time where Times Square was full of those like 42nd Street uh, theaters, like the porno theaters and the grindhouse theaters. And like, it was so colorful on the streets. It looked uh, dangerous and uh, just, I don't know, so interesting and a uh, wild, like such a wild time for New York City. <laughs> and this One movie was could say a porno theater and a grindhouse theater are basically the same thing. Yes, yes. Uh, so it's about this runaway girl who gets picked up by the cops for being, a, you know, copying an attitude, and she gets sent to the hospital with for a psych evaluation. Meanwhile, there's this political figure who's in charge of the Times Square reclamation project to kind of gentrify it and bring it, turn it into, you know, the Times Square we know today, probably. And his daughter is um, acting out for like the opposite reason. She's quiet. She doesn't quite know uh, what she 
her place in places in this life. Her father is like using her as a pawn and his political things. Um, very much a Christian Slater type issue from pump off the volume. Anyway, she's in this, she goes to the hospital for a psych evaluation as well. These two girls get together and run away. Uh, there's a great hospital escape scene where they're blasting the Ramones from this like womb box that they're carrying running through the hospital, very invigorating stuff. Anyway, they, uh, start living on the streets while the father's trying to find them. And, uh, they make friends with this radio DJ who is in tune with their plight and kind of wants wants them to succeed in sticking it to the man. The DJ's played by Tim Curry, which is cool. He's always fun to watch. He's got yeah. that voice, the great radio DJ voice. So this movie is partly about the power of the airwaves again, but it's mostly about rebelling against the system, how these two girls are like, you know, going to the streets and doing things on their own terms. And uh, they start making music and, and, um, yeah, it just culminates in like this very invigorating uh, musical performance that has the whole uh, this whole like type of uh, person transfixed. These young teens that come pouring into the city to like witness their folk heroes. Um, there's definitely some sad moments, and there's definitely some. Uh, I don't know. So maybe odd directing choices or screenwriting choices, but overall it had that same spirit that I found in pump up the volume, except more scrappy, more grassroots. And it had, instead of the suburban school, it had this like really authentic New York city backdrop, which was probably like the star of the show, to be honest, the music, New York city, the two performances by the, the girls, Tim Curry, great soundtrack. I mean, another four and a half stars for me. <laughs> Seems like you're becoming a Moylite. I, I am uh, definitely a Moylite. Uh, I, I just Church of Moyle. <laughs> I, I just added Empire Records to my watch list, which is also his and seems like it has the same vibe. You've never seen Empire Records? I have not, no. Wow. So are Maybe you, you a fan were of... more of a loser than me in high school. <laughs> are you a fan of Empire Records? I mean, I remember loving it when I was a teenager. Oh yeah, the right the right time to watch it. So maybe maybe you won't like it now because you're. He's like, you know. is he like a poor man's Cameron Crowe? All of his movies seem to be <laughs> about like teenagers and music. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. At least those three. Um, the next ones in his filmography are a little. I don't think he they captured the same magic from what I'm seeing. Hmm. Um, but those three definitely are uh, hits that people like. So I'm looking forward to seeing Empire Records. Cool. So uh, I, I, I neglected to ask Gina what her star rating was for Pump Up the Volume. Do you know? Oh, what I don't she... think you want to know. <laughs> Is <it>? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move on from that. We'll, we'll accept. She was opinions. having, uh, we'll say, an enjoyable evening, and she was even like. What is this sucks? What is this? <laughs> really? I offered multiple times. Do you want me to leave? I can finish it downstairs on my yeah. own. You don't yeah. have to keep watching. And she's like, it's fine. I'm on my phone. <laughs> so I can picture, you know, people, uh, you know, not, uh, not hitting as well as it did with me, but I'm, I'm sad that she disliked it that much. Yeah. Oh, well. I couldn't relate. Like I said, out of, out of any context, I just mm. couldn't relate to his long, 
soliloquies that were just like raging into the night. Mm-hmm. At like, I don't know. I'm too old. I'm like, you never want to rage dude, into your the life's night. not that bad. <laughs> you, that's high tech stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You seem pretty um, well off. Sorry. You that... had to move. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand your, your point of view, unfortunately. Oh, well we could, uh, we could uh, understand each other and ag- disagree, I guess. Yep. Agree to disagree. Yes, that should be the name of our podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, so we were talking about doing something different for the next two episodes since it is spooky season. We're going into October, so we're Exciting. talking about it's my favorite season. Yeah, me too. Uh, I have so many horror movies planned to watch. I am doing a twenty-four hour horrathon as usual. I'm going to some friends' uh, houses that are throwing some, you know. Friday night movie nights. So, and I also made a watch list of 31 movies based on the letterboxd hooptober contest, uh, which is basically like, what does that mean? What is hooptober? So it started unofficially on letterboxd where someone made like a horror movie scavenger hunt challenge, watch 31 movies that meet this various criteria. Um, inspired by Toby Hooper, the horror director. Okay. And it's been happening for the past 10 years or so. And now it has official sponsors. Like it's sponsored by um, some like horror, new horror streaming service. Anyway, this scavenger hunt. No, it wasn't shutter. It's a newer one. I don't remember what it's called, but uh, there's like a free trial. If you go to the, the Hooptober list, the official one on letterbox, you can get a free trial to this streaming service. Anyway, it's a, a scavenger hunt. There's a bunch of different criteria and I made my list of what movies fit the criteria. And I am going to attempt to watch all 31. Technically you're allowed to start September 15th. So I should, uh, yeah, boo. Well, you know, the it's run by an adult who probably has not a lot of time, just like we all do to watch that many movies one a day for a whole month. I don't know that I like your implication there, sir. <laughs> what are you going to watch one movie a day for October? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so I I won't, but on average I will because I got 24 hours of movies. There's 15 right there. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so I'll be doing that. So anyway, so long story short, next episode we will not pick something off my watch list. We'll just talk about some horror movies and probably the same for the subsequent episode. And maybe The Expendables. I don't know. Oh, God. Is there a new one coming out? I think this it month? came out this Friday. Speaking of I horror, <laughs> rewatched the first three. These are horrible movies mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I love. Well, love there's letters also to eighties action movies. How could you go wrong? Yeah. I mean, on paper, it sounds great. I, I saw the first one and I was unimpressed. I remember the first one being disappointed as well. Mm-hmm. And then I thought the second one was way better. And okay. I'm not sure if I've seen the third one or not. Maybe I'll watch a second one after horror movie month just to, to see. Uh, but I don't know. It feels like they they relied more on stunt casting than anything. Just getting all these people in the same movie together. And that was like the draw. The first mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And they did a much better, again, just in my opinion. And I haven't seen them, either of them. I think the first one came out in like 2010 Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure I saw it besides when I went to see the second one, which probably came out 
in 2012 or 13 or something like that. Is that the one with Kelsey Grammer? I still can't get over that poster of him that that was advertising that he has joined the expendables like anybody that you're going to pick it's kelsey grammar that that poster cracks me up so much (laughs) i don't remember him in either of them so i'm gonna have to maybe that's the third one yeah all right well we'll talk about it next episode maybe you can't see fraser just kicking some ass only in my dreams (laughs) such sights to see along with my other projects, can be found on ProLeary.com. On Letterboxd, I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey, because I'm longer. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a good night and sweet dreams. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.